Sportsnet 650 presents Just Here for the Beer, Canada's original dedicated beer radio show. I don't mean to have a one-track mind, but all I need is a frosty pine. A Vancouver tradition for 10 years and counting. We're talking about the BC beer scene with the innovators, the movers and shakers, and brew makers of the industry. And I don't mean to whine and beg, but someone finally tap that keg. I'm just here for the beer. It's just here for the beer radio with your hosts, Joe Leary and Rick Mohabir. Welcome to Just Here for the Beer Radio Broadcast and Podcast, presented in part by Angry Otter Liquor, which has become BC's premier liquor destination. 28 locations for Vancouver to Kamloops, stocked with a great mix of locally produced and premium selections. Check out their flagship store, Liquor on 248th Street, 10,000 square feet. And every time you shop at Angry Otter Liquor, you can enjoy membership benefits that put money back in your pocket. Joe Larry and Rick Mohabir, we're broadcasting our dedicated show, the Hastings East Village BIA. We'll tell you more about the neighborhood we're in. Of course, we're broadcasting from the uh, Jackalopes Neighborhood Dive on Hastings, uh, just down from Nanaimo Street. Uh, a very heavy metal-inspired uh, well, yeah, environment. That. It's pretty cool. It's very cool. And uh, our first guest today is uh, Mr. Colin Canning. He is a partner in It's Okay, a neighborhood bar that has snacks and sandwiches and is open late. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That sounds pretty cool. So yeah. this neighborhood is one that... Um, if you get into it, there's some really cool individual one-off places, and it looks like it's getting more and more hip all the time. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's one of the reasons we're relatively new as a business to the neighborhood, but not as people that hang out and right. patron in the neighborhood. So for us, it's awesome. It's super dynamic and diverse, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to be here. So you kind of scouted out neighborhoods. Like this is. Tell us about the partnership behind It's Okay, or actually the concept behind It's Okay. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I have two business partners, and uh, none of us are actually originally from Vancouver, and I'm originally from Alberta. One partner is from Ontario, and one uh, is originally from Saskatchewan, but then raised in Australia. And so, and all of us have traveled a little bit, and we just, lack of a better term, is we kind of wanted an American-style bar here in Vancouver. I think there's a ton of great bars and restaurants here doing great things, but we kind of wanted that small, intimate sort of walking down the street, never heard of it before. You walk in and you're having a great time. You know, it's it's funny because we've been doing this show since 2010. And, and we've yeah. seen, uh, and I still see this day, like uh, as the fact that there are still some regulations on the books that kind of hamper you. And they kind of make you shake your head going, why is this still a restriction? But on the other hand, there's been a lot of progressiveness as well in terms of what you can do. Tasting rooms is a good Tasting, example. Yeah. Places like Resurrection Spirits, where you can literally walk in in this nondescript little neighborhood and go and have cocktails. So there's things that, I mean, obviously the laws are sort of loosening a bit. But um, I like finding undiscovered gems, or at least what I call, because this is not my stomping grounds. And you must be getting that from people walking in going, oh, this is this is really cool. Yeah, I think people are kind of confused by us because they're like, what's this? Where did this come yeah. from? And and that's sort of what we wanted. And and I, I completely agree with you. I think it's amazing to walk through a neighborhood and, and walk down and see something. It's like, I've never been here, here before. And you walk in, it's amazing. Right. So, like, I, I personally sort of think the city needs more of that. And it needs more sort of small, independent yeah. operators that are doing their own unique thing. And, you know, it's not cookie cutter. It's, it's I mean, just sitting in Jackalopes, it's a perfect example. Sure. It's, it's them. It's their personality, and that's amazing. Um, now, what about you said it's a neighborhood bar, mm-hmm. so you do have something on tap. Yes. Okay. We have uh, we have an It's Okay Lager, which is uh, 
brewed by Phillips Brewery. Yeah. Um, Quality we, sponsor, friend uh, of the show. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So our, they brew our lager for us, and then we also have uh, we work with Strathcona. We have their big sexy funk. Um, we work with uh, the Parkside, and we have their motel. Um, we work with Strange Fellows and have Talisman. Yeah. And you got yeah, a couple of the staples there for sure. Yeah. yeah. We we have five taps, and then we also have our our fridge where we stock a lot of different stuff as well. Now, I know you'd be curious about the food component. Oh, and, and, and actually, okay. well, actually, uh, there is something here. This is a, co- a collab you're doing? Yeah. Actually, we're just doing and This is only available from April 17th to April 30th. Okay. But we teamed up with Taco Fino Hastings, which yeah. is just down, the sh- just down the street as well. Our menu is sort of based off sort of nostalgic things that we grew up in. We have pretzels and bar snacks and sandwiches. It's really um, kind of food of our youth. And so when we started talking to Taco Fino about doing this, we're like, we we want to do a hard shell taco. They're like, well, we've never done one before. And I was like, well, this seems like the time. So to us, it kind of, we started as a vision that it was like the old El Paso taco you would make on taco night as a kid. And, uh, and, but, yeah. and then Taco Fino, as they do, they sort of took it to a new level. So. Yeah, so it's a collaboration taco. And the important thing, though, is all proceeds for the next two weeks go to the Urban Native Youth Association, nice. which is also on Just Hastings in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, so it's sure. a little bit of a neighborhood thing happening. So awesome. besides the taco collab, what, what, what is the, uh, what's, what's the menu consist of it? Uh, it's okay. Yeah, going back to that, it's, uh, again, it's n- sort of nostalgic food items, and, and it's snacks and sandwiches. Um, so Very much as described, snacks and sandwiches, and you're it, open late, I hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, and the kitchen's <laughs> open late, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, our most popular items, though, that we're starting to get known for a little bit are our chopped cheese sandwich, um, which is, uh, some people are familiar with it, some people aren't. It's basically a hamburger, but diced up on the grill, so it's, uh, it's almost ground with the cheese mixed you know what? I, I'm just having an aha moment because I remember somebody was telling me about this really cool sandwich shop, and I remember it was the, the name kind of confused Tell me. me. Yeah. This is the one. I've not tried this. I have to try this. Apparently, it's it's amazing sandwiches. Yeah, the the, the chopped cheese is the chopped cheese is really good. And, yeah. Uh, and we're really we're really proud of our wings as well. So our, our well, chicken we're, wings. Are, we're yeah. definitely we're definitely stopping by. We are definitely <laughs> doing that. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're pretty up on our wings too. Yeah. The wings and the chopped cheese is, is a combo that's kind of hard to turn down. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So okay, so the taco with uh, through Tacofino, that's just till the end of. Yeah, this is limited. The limited run. We're we're right. constantly tinkering and working with other businesses on little collabs that we can do stuff for charity. It's okay, a neighborhood bar that has snacks and sandwiches and is open late. 2481 East Hastings. Uh, we're definitely going to check it out. Yeah. Thanks so yeah. much for joining us. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate right. it. Cheers. Cheers. Just here for the Beer Radio on Sportsnet 650 AM and 96.9 FM HD3, Canada's original dedicated beer radio broadcast for over a decade. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at JHFTB. It's just here for the Beer Radio and your host Joe Leary and Rick Mohabir. Here for the Beer Radio is brought to you in part by Angry Otter Liquor, BC's premier liquor destination. There is now 28 locations from Vancouver to uh, Kamloops. Stop by, let their products experts help you find your new favorite. For example, Chabertone's Winery's Bacchus is back in stock now at Angry Otter. Angry Otter Liquor has many exclusive products, including Koi Killer IPA from Parallel 49 and Kalala Wines from West Kelowna. Find them online, angryotterliquor.crs. We are broadcasting a special dedicated uh, show to the area of Hastings East Village, 
where we're broadcasting from Jackalope's Neighborhood Dive, Vancouver's premier heavy metal bar, and it does not disappoint. Uh, we're joined by Graham Witt, who is the head brewer of Parallel 49. No stranger to this program. Good to see you, man. How are you? I'm well. Good to see you. How, many, how many years have you got under your belt now at P49? Uh, well, since we built the place, uh, which I, what, we're putting out our 11th anniversary beer coming up. So 11 years, which, yeah, blows my mind. So you were a day oneer. Day one or day zero, you know. Day zero. Yeah. And, and I'm just trying to figure out the landscape because I've, it's been a while. I was Actually, I ran into Graham last week at, at the Parallel 49 Tasting Room. But uh, the last time I've had a tour, there was a lot of property back there. I just, I, How much square footage do you occupy there now? That is a good question. Uh, we take over more as we can, so it always changes. But square footage, I'm not sure. I don't know. But it's a it's a big property. Yeah, like we're going through a big expansion right now. So we're putting in a new brew house. Um, so that's been going on for like the last like three, well, the project is about a year, but they've been installing it for about a month. And we got about a month more to go. And then every batch of beer we're going to make, it's going to be 10,000 liters per brew. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's called big capacity, isn't it? Yeah, just a wee bit. Just a wee bit. Hey, yeah. we're selling it, so, you know, yeah. got to make it. And and the thing that uh, I always like about it, Rick, you and I have been there a number of times. Yeah. And the uh, the newly renovated, well, I guess it's closed back a few years now, but the, uh, the remodeled uh, tasting room. And that menu board looks like something you would see in a European train station. Yeah. I, just, I always think of or the Frankfurt International Airport or something, right? Yeah, we put a lot of thought into that one. Um, we wanted to get one of those old school flip boards, yeah. but I think that was going to cost like $900,000. Mm-hmm. So a nice compromise yeah. with those LED light ones. So is that still a lot of your trial and error beers? Are these, are these kind of one-offs or experimental things that you're seeing how the public reacts to? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a whole mix because there's 40 taps, which is uh, excessive but awesome. So um, we'll have our core stuff, um, you know, our regular, like our craft lager um, or pale ale or trash panda. And then we'll have, um, you know, limited release things that come out, you know, seasonal and can. And then also, like you said, we have our test pilot system. So when we're trying a new thing, maybe a new hop comes out and we're like, we're really interested to see how it's going to kind of play with the beer. Sure. Uh, we can run, uh, you know, a few of those kegs and put them on. So are you letting the minions play with the with the, the pilot <laughs> system or are you getting your elbows in there? Yeah. Uh, no, well, we actually have a dedicated uh, R&D brewer, Hiroshi, who's been with us like almost 10 years. Oh, so wow. He runs that program, but uh, all, all the brew team gets to like rotate in there nice. when we get a chance, but you know. So uh, there is a great story going around. I don't know if you've ever confirmed this or not, but you the n- titling of your beers, mm. uh, it's kind of done randomly. Is that, uh, is that correct? Yes, for the most part. Okay. And was there one beer in particular that um, you guys sort of have a little quorum? Is it every couple of Fridays in a row or something like that? You sit down and go over business. This is the story I've heard. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> what, what was the name of the beer? The, it's one, it's can one, either confirm nor deny. It's, it's one of it's one of the it's one of the stable beers of uh, of Parallel Forty Nine. Oh, jer- wasn't it the Jerkface? Jerkface Nine Thousand. Jerkface Nine Thousand. Okay. Yes. Now the story I heard was that it was kind of a long week and y'all wanted to get out of there, and you're sitting and you're trying to come up with a name for it, and, and who, someone just said, "I call, call it Jerkface Nine Thousand for all I care." <laughs> is that is that true or not? I, like I'd love to confirm <laughs> or deny. <laughs> But I've traveled all across, like, Western Canada, and people have approached me with different stories okay. about the name. Um, so now it's a bit, you know, it's a bit of a, like, mystery. Sure. So I can't, I can't, you I can't, I can't It's a legend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And there's people who wonder who the character is, too. Oh, I see. So okay. James from Storm Brewing is convinced it's him. Okay. But yeah. I can't confirm or deny that either. <laughs> so, in, and you talk about the core beers because, again, at the end of the day, that's what launched you. That's what people identify yeah. with Parallel 49. And, you know, you're allowed to play, but you can't stray from, from what made you famous. 
Yeah, and you get bills to pay, and not every restaurant rotates their taps. So you know, we have a we have a core lineup that you know goes out to all the bars and the regular drinkers, um, and then we have uh, you know limited releases that we do to keep everyone's interest and you know keep things new and fresh. Yeah. Well, you're also what? What did you bring here today, by the way? Well, this one. Uh, is our what we call a fresh release. So this one just came out. So we were pretty excited on this one. It, it's a Pink Horizon. It's an American pale ale. So just a clear, hoppy pale ale. What is it? 5.2%. Uh, we were excited. It was a Women's Day brew. So all, oh, the, nice. all the women at our facility uh, kind of came together and uh, came up with the recipe. They did the brew that day. Did uh, worked on like the artwork and everything. Uh, yeah, so we just launched it. And then proceeds are going to the Downtown Eastside Women's Center. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, this is a, you a new mix pack here, is that or Pills mm. Around the World, what's that? Yes. This is the one I want to talk about. Okay. Like I said, it's my baby. Okay. I'm really excited. So you still roll up your sleeves and you still do brew, or you just assign people? Yeah, assign people. Yeah, okay, of course. You know. <laughs> Be uh, me number one. <laughs> yeah, Come here. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we wanted to do um, a mix pack. We've been playing around with different Pilsners, so, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with Pilsner, lager, but you get a little more hop character. So we did uh, Pills Around the World, so we have uh, an American Pills. Uh, we have an Australian pilsner, an Italian pilsner, and a French pilsner. So, and what what are the differences? Obviously, of the hops, but but what do do these countries have different styles of making a pilsner generally? Yeah. So, like the American is like a, it's an American pre-prohibition. So, you know, uh, America grows a lot of corn. So, there's a bit of corn in the in that recipe to to lighten it up a bit. Um, uh, Australian definitely is the hops. Australian's got a really like fruity tropical fruity hops. Um, France has, uh, you know, um, like Cronenberg, um, and beers like that. So, and they grow a lot of barley and hops there. So we try to just kind of have representative ingredients from each region and give them, you know, their own uniqueness. Now, I don't want to get too sciencey on this, but but does the terroir de- de- does it differ from climate to climate? Do, do the hops grow and have different profiles from based on where they're growing under what conditions? Yes, absolutely. Um, so we get a lot of our hops from Yakima, Washington. Um, but it's a lot like they also grow hops in the Fraser Valley. So if you take some of the hops grown in Yakima and just bring them up here, you get a different flavor profile. Um, and maybe they're a little more muted on some of the fruitiness. Maybe a little more grassy. I know like Cascade, which is a hop we love. And we know the, it's a classic hop that everyone uses in North America. But they grow it in uh, New Zealand, and it tastes wildly different. It's the same same hop. Mm-hmm. It's just the terroir is way more like tropical fruity for some reason. Um, also, I want to talk about Parallel 49 jumped on the RTD ready-to-drink canned cocktail bandwagon pretty early on, as, as a lot of players did. And, I mean, that's become such a big part of the market. And I, I don't know if that, as a brewer, does that did that bother you from initially thinking, you know, I'm here to make beer, man. I'm not here to make pink cocktails. Right? Uh, well, I mean, uh, what it started, because we talked about the 40 taps. So it all, it all kind of started out of the, the 40 taps because we needed a, a couple non-alcoholic options. Um, and I'm a big fan of root beer and ginger beer. So we made a root beer from scratch and a ginger beer from scratch. And then one day we were scratching our heads as we were drinking this lovely ginger beer, wondering, what if we mm-hmm. put some, some vodka in it and get a, a sort of a vodka mule, right, Moscow mule? Sure. Um, uh, so we're like, okay, we'll put it in a copper can. Let's see how it goes. So we created the brand Muddlers. Uh, we really liked the ginger beer. We were really passionate about it. And then and then, then that took off. And then so we kind of piqued our interest a bit, and we started playing with some other different flavors. We recently launched a margarita. So as much as I'm a, a beer guy through and through, uh, put me on, you know, on a beach <laughs> and give me a margarita, and I will drink it. <laughs> so, uh, it's, you know, if you're passionate about the things you're making, 
Uh, they tend out to be pretty good. So how much of a, a, a switch was that for you from going from your beer and your hops and your malts and blah, blah, blah to doing the RTD side now? Yes. Uh, well, we have like our R&D brewer who does a lot of development. Um, but all of the, uh, the, the RTD stuff, the, the blends, that, that kind of ha- uh, goes through our lab. Because you don't necessarily need to ferment it, right? Right, you're just blending. So our lab kind of develops a lot of the uh, the RTD stuff in partnership with us. We go through taste panels and see what we like. Um, but it's essentially it's just sort of the same process. Let's, let's, I mean, beer is a little more like you know, pray to the gods. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. fermentation gods. You, like, you it's get gonna what ferment. You get. Yeah, well, and we and it's always a relief when it turns out. But when you're just mixing uh, some ingredients together, yeah, um, you really dial it in, and you know what you're gonna get because you're not going through fermentation. But with the, with the growth of the RTD uh, and the canned cocktails out there now, because I mean they're they're taking up a lot of shelf space. Are any of them going to morph into beer? Because again, like there's some like you've got a pink lemonade muddler flavor, for example. Okay, and it seems to be now Rick and I noticed that it seems like there are no absolute off limits when it comes to making a, a sour beer. That's and true. I don't know what I don't know what the next generation of beer will be. Yeah. The next iteration. What what do you say to that? I mean, I can see it rubbing off on the, the other way. We just launched a uh, uh, a ranch water, which is like a tequila lime sort mm-hmm. of seltzer. Um, and, and, under, and tequila, under, the, under what name? It, it's uh, its own own brand called Manana. We're pretty excited about it. Um, but like tequila is pretty hot right now. Everyone's really like sure. tequila. So I can see you know people maybe getting tequila barrels and aging stuff and tequila barrels with the beer. We've done it in the past. But you can see you know maybe a rub off if uh, people are enjoying tequila. Well, why not kind of get that in your beer a bit? Mm-hmm. So, and are all of these things available in your in your tasting room? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, we have we have stock. I think right now I'm in, <laughs> I'm in charge of that, but I believe we are fully stocked. Uh, and also, a longtime friend of the show recently joined Parallel Forty Nine. Our, our buddy Don Gordon. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and Don is a pretty easygoing guy. Is is that kind of cool to work with him? Uh, yes. Yeah, we used to hit it off when we'd uh, I'd see him at the Calgary Stampede. Yeah. He took me for a dance. Uh, you know, <laughs> we drank some beers late night at a Chinese food restaurant. I was, yeah. was going to say maybe beers were involved. Yeah. That's true. And yeah. then you know we've known each other for a while, so uh, you know we, we welcomed as welcome as part of the team. Yeah. So um, it, it's funny because this area is where I guess craft beer really started to blossom. If if you go yeah. back to the early Just a little days bit down that way, yeah. Yeah. And it was known or referred to as kind of, I guess, a yeast van, or that was that was a term that was thrown at it. But the yeast van beer scene that really kind of set the uh, set the table for what what would what would come throughout the Lower Mainland. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we opened uh, in 2012, but we've had Storm Brewing down here forever. Mm-hmm. I used to yeah. go there, uh, you know, and go get my pop bottle filled of their stuff as, as a young. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then like uh, this area kind of it was, you know, it, I guess breweries always kind of go where there's some cheap square footage. So we had a few breweries pop up here. Um, the tasting room thing so started to So you're saying that off. at one point Vancouver had cheap square footage. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just keep pushing our tanks closer of and course. closer together. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and again, the East Van scene is, is pretty complete. And uh, now you've got, you've got distilleries in the neighborhood as well. And I always say, as much as we've taken shots at regulations, rules, and red tape, and, and government, you know, crap that sort of stands in the way, we've come a long way in so many respects, have we not, Graham? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a, we have our beer garden we're just about to open uh, next to the brewery. Um, you asked me 10 years ago, I mean, like, that looks way too fun. Sure. We would never allow that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, actually, and some of the loosened restrictions from, like, COVID, I think, helped, where... 
you got to test out like the street patios. Yeah. And not not all hell broke loose. Well, yeah. I think the other yeah. thing that's really important to note is that, and again, the the, the, the COVID provisions were, were given for a reason because you weren't allowed to dine in or, or whatever. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any noticeable increase in complaints or noise violations or anything like that. And the other thing is that when you walk into tasting rooms, like Parallel 49 doesn't have TVs hanging down and it doesn't become a sports bar. But these places are their own environments. People don't go there to go and get all fueled up and get into fights. Yeah. That's just not the rules and regulations. That's not why you go to tasting rooms. But that's not the customer that of course not. There, yeah. right? Like yeah. I've, I've been to Parallel 49. We've been there pretty pretty early in the day. And there's young families in there mm-hmm. coming in for brunch and, mm-hmm. you know, kids in, in strollers and toddlers running around and stuff. And, and it's a very different atmosphere than what what the the, the NIMBYs, the not-in-my-backyard type people, yeah, yeah. really think it is. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think all you need to do is just kind of go there and sort of sense what they're about. And they are family. They are very inclusive environments. Um, and they're offering more and more menu selections. And, yeah, some places have live entertainment. Some places do trivia. But it's really a, a sense of community. And it's not a place – it's not a, It's not something on your radar to go and throw back shots and, and become idiotic. Yeah, right? there's places for that. Um, but like you said, yeah, on like a Sunday, I'll see a bunch of moms with strollers there yep. with their kids. Yep. And, you know, they want to go for a beer, maybe two, try things out. And I guess even having this, the, the flights of uh, different small beers, sure. it's, it's more go try things, not you know, hammer back yeah. eight pints, um, which is I, fun too. I was actually going to ask you because from doing my RTD show um, and, tr- and drinking so many prepared cocktails, I've started building a back bar at home so I can make my own cocktails. And the one that I wanted to make is I'm trying to find ginger beer. I didn't know Parallel 49 made ginger beer. Is that available for sale uh, at regular locations? Um, we, we tried it in the can for a little bit, but uh, we, it's, you're getting into the soda pop uh, game, yeah. which we weren't sure about. Um, so the only way to get it right now, there's a few bars that have it on tap, okay. and they use it as a mix. We have it down at our tap room, and you get a growler full. And it's like reasonably cheap because it's not does it, does it exactly. Does it age well in a fridge? Uh, yeah, it does. And okay. like, yeah, it, we, like, we use real ginger. We bring in, I don't know, something like 120 tons of ginger right. a year now for right. this stuff. Right. Um, and we, we get well, real you've got ginger. room for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's always a pleasure to see you. Graham Whitley, the head brewer of Parallel 49. Once again, the pills around the world. Uh, it's an eight-pack. Is that available widely now? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, uh, should be uh, BC and some Alberta as well. Right. It's good. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, pleasure to be here. Cheers. Cheers. This is just here for the Beer Radio on Sportsnet 650 AM and 96.9 HD3, a Vancouver broadcast tradition since 2010. Check out the audio podcast at justhereforthebeer.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at JHFTB. Here again are your hosts, Joe Leary and Rick Moabeer. Welcome back to Just Here for the Beer, broadcasting in East Van at the legendary Jackalope's Heavy Metal Bar. I'm joined by Daryl Lamb my brand ambassador friend and co-host on our RTD and Spirit show, uh, uh, also on uh, Sportsnet. Uh, Daryl, I wanted to introduce you to, because you're all about local. Local, it? local. I just I love coming on the Just Here for the Beer, because my first right. first ever radio appearance was on this show. So and the look, legendary Just Here for the Beer. Look where it's lit. Television, like movies, middle of nowhere, Instagram Richmond, uh, kind of thing with the, uh, the legendary Colin. Well, I know that uh, you have uh, been familiar with this brand. I only recently discovered it, though I knew the name Resurrection Spirits. It is on Franklin Street in East Van. And uh, Tyler Quad, the distillery 
Tiller joins us. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. What a great discovery. I mean, I knew the name, but I didn't realize it would be where it was. I kind of figured it would be more in a splashy, lit-up area. It was kind of just in this quiet, little, unassuming block of Franklin Street, this really cool cocktail bar. Yeah, it's kind of a quiet street. Uh, there isn't, I mean, it's, a, it's an area that's heavily populated by breweries. Uh, and there is, you know, the Sons, or um, pardon me, the Odd Society Distilleries just down the street. Other than that, it's all breweries. Um, and our particular street is uh, relatively quiet from uh, all of that, so we're kind of tucked away. I'm just curious, do the, the, the distilled spirits community, do they get along well? Is it like the same thing, like the brotherhood in the brewing community, where Very you well. all help each other out? Very well, yeah. 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 I got good friends at uh, Sons of Vancouver. Uh, the Odd Society folks are very nice as well. Right. There's a great event, Joe. It's actually coming out. Legacy is the official store called BC Distilled. And it, mo- it mostly focuses on the craft spirits. It's done at the Korean culture or uh, the Croatian Cultural Center. It's a fantastic show. You're going to be there, right? We will be there. Yeah. All right. So we'll have Resurrection uh, Spirits for sale not only at Legacy but at the BC Distilled. But you want to go there. It's just such a great event. You get to meet everybody's like just making cocktails. You're trying these different spirits. Uh, you know Scott Thompson's going to have the like tightest mohawk you've ever seen in your life from uh, Mad, Mad, Mad Lab yeah, uh, kind of stuff. It's a lot of fun. BC yeah. Distilled. I think it's bcdistilled.ca or just Google BC Distilled. A uh, lot of great events, but definitely visit your local distilleries. Those those cocktail bars really help those distilleries out because uh, you're getting everything made right in that building, and you know it's going to be perfect. So what got you into the spirits world, Ty? Uh, well, I was a bartender in town for quite a while. Uh, when COVID happened, I was kind of out of work, like a lot of people in town were. Um, Resurrection Spirits had a posting for a job, and I kind of started there as the assistant distiller to our founder and our original uh, head distiller there. Um, and uh, it's worked out very well for me. I, I think my favorite part about bartending for a long time was the drink creation, and not so much the, not that I didn't enjoy the rest, the whole aspect of it, but. You know, I always really liked focusing on making something that was really enjoyable for people, uh, and and distilling just kind of fit really well with that. And, and Daryl, you've often told the tale because when we started our original uh, spirit show years ago, um, you tell the story of a couple of local distillers would come walking in with their freshly made product, and yeah. fortunately, they had a good audience in you. We built the world's first BC craft uh, spirit section. We still have it. We don't really mess around with any of the big kind of commercial import bottled uh, spirits at, at Legacy, so you won't find those. We we support local farmers. Our owners are British Columbian. And the BC Craft uh, movement that started in 2013, and you guys are uh, like original kind of OG. I think you're coming up on your 10 years pretty soon, right? Uh, it's less than that, actually. It's oh. probably about five or six now. Wow, it just seems like Resurrection has been, for, like, it was so, like there. I remember when they first walked in, and they had the great gin, and there was like that rose gin that was aged yes. in like barrels. And then there was the not quite rye whiskey whiskey. Now you have a proper rye whiskey because right. you're at the age. So we're still there. doing that. The pale rye actually. Pale rye. It's, uh, six to twelve months in twenty liter casks, as opposed to our rye whiskey now, which is fully three years minimum in the full size oak barrels. So the other thing I love about the craft spirit is that you go off the beaten track to find new kinds of spirits to make. And I've got this. Unbelievable, delicious Nocino in my glass that I'm thinking I need this on my shelf like immediately. It is spectacular. Now, Joe, a Nocino is a very obscure walnut liqueur from southern Italy. Uh, in France, they call them Noir, and they usually make those up near Switzerland. Now, how did the no- how did the Nocino come into your zone? Like, when did you start making this delicious fellow? Well, we uh, had a good source on some walnuts, and what do you do with walnuts when you got a bunch of spirit lying around? You make nocino, right? That's right. So, 
Uh, it's uh, worked out very well for us. We're looking at another batch of this coming up here in September when the walnuts are uh, are uh, uh, harvested. Uh, so yeah, this is a it, very exciting product for it, us. Is this a standalone something that you sip, or is this something that is an ingredient in a cocktail? Yeah, I mean, our bartenders have found a few ways to use this in a cocktail, but I think probably traditionally you just sip. I'm it drinking it on its own, man. If you got if 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 you're wondering that what that dark black inky drink right. that No No is drinking at Christmas, that's right. a Nochino. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, you're making a really good one. I like this one a lot. Cinnamon comes really through the spices. That's really nice. It's it, really it good stuff. Tastes a little bit on the powerful side. What's the uh, What's, what's the amount of power in that thing? Power, you mean? In terms of alcohol. The alcohol? Well, it's 25%, okay. so it's not over the top. It's uh, nice. Alcohol-wise. Wow. Um, it's all just a natural infusion. The the walnuts sit in there for a couple months, uh, and then we let the other botanicals and uh, ingredients sit in there for a little while longer. That could go in your coffee mug, and no one would be the wiser for it. Right? No, no problem, <laughs> man. It's, it's good stuff. Uh, maybe maybe on uh, some, uh, some maple walnut uh, ice cream. Uh. Kind of stuff, or just in your own glass. I mean, it's great, but then your whiskey program is really coming along as the as the as the the, the barrels upstairs start yep. to age. Now, Joe, did you get to go upstairs? Did they take you upstairs? I did not visit upstairs yet, but that's right. on the next. Nah, yeah, I think uh, I think you, you got to be you got to sit at the bar a couple of times and get yeah. real friendly with them if you want to go upstairs and see all the magic that's happening upstairs. No, we'd be happy to take you upstairs. Uh, so right now we got the one type of whiskey, the uh, the rye whiskey here. Uh, that was three and a half years aged uh, that we're really proud of. Um, our next barrel, actually, we so right now we have about 45 barrels in the distillery uh, that are, you know, a- uh, aging. Um, the first one of those is coming to maturation in October 2024. So we're still a bit of ways away from uh, having some subsequent batches coming off. Uh, by June 2024, we're hoping to have three different unique blends. Um, uh, uh, on our lineup, so that's pretty exciting. Now, Joe, a lot of people used to Scotch whiskey will be like three and a half years. That's that's not that old, mm. right? Like I, I drink a twelve year old, that kind of stuff. They, what we don't understand, or a lot of people don't understand, is the ambient temperature, the 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 space where the barrels are aging, rapidly changes the way the aging is done. So when you go to Northern Scotland, a lot of people don't realize Great Britain is so much further north than we are in Vancouver. If you take London, England, and you move across the world to Canada, you're in Churchill, Manitoba. Mm-hmm. All right? There are no polar bears in Piccadilly because of the way the climate works. But Scotland's so much colder than British Columbia that their aging process is so much slower. Three years in BC, and I know it's the coldest April since 1981, and it's raining every day and everything like that. But, you know... This is actually, this is a Glaswegian summer right now. So three and a half years in Vancouver is very much like decades in Scotland. So the, the flavor profile, the richness, everything that you want in an older whiskey happens so much quicker. It's why we're seeing Indian whiskeys like Umrut winning the, the best whiskey in the world. It's why we see Cavalan in Taiwan winning best whiskey in the world. Those are, again, only three, four years old. They are not coming in at 20 years old. You couldn't even have a 20-year-old whiskey from Taiwan because it would completely evaporate. So three years in B.C., is the equivalent of decades in Scotland. So that's actually an advantage to our craft distilleries because, you know, he's, he's got 45 barrels. They're aging up there. Three years, boom. Taste this rye whiskey. The flavor profile is way deeper than a three-year-old whiskey from Scotland, uh, which, you know, you can go try if you want to try something like Johnny Walker Red. That's a three-year-old Scottish whiskey, and I'd put this up against Johnny Walker Red all day long. Well, it's funny because I think everything sort of goes, follows the same template because, you know, years ago when craft beer was starting to boom, you know, down the I-5, people probably wouldn't have taken Vancouver's entries as seriously. 
BC's wines weren't taken as seriously mm -hmm. 10, 15 years ago. And I'm guessing the craft spirits was probably the same thing. How, how can you compete with the big guys and make a comparable product at a reasonable price? I think you've surpassed a lot of the big guys, to be honest. Well, I, for me, I, I don't necessarily think it's about us competing with the big guys, right? That's in terms of dollar value on it. You're right. never going to compete with, sure. uh, with with Wisers or whatever, right, for their market share. But that's not what, what we're doing, right? We're competing with the, the craft market, right? We want people who are interested in craft spirits to try our stuff and realize that there's, you know, so much benefit to, to doing that. And then people that are, you know, so married to that, the market of the, the bigger products and the bigger guys and brands, um, to realize that there's so many benefits to coming over and trying some of the craft products that are available in BC and everywhere else, right? Because uh, there's there's you know there's a lot of things that we're doing that those big guys just aren't, and you know there's ways that those big guys are making their products that um, that they that they need to do to make it in such big volume that that we're not doing, and we're doing stuff that's maybe a little. Uh, uh, a little better. Or, or well, I think also, and COVID taught us that you know you want local to win, you want local to survive. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the big the big people are rather insulated. They they can withstand a little bit of a financial hit, not so the locals. But um, you know, at least you're offering something that people can appreciate and, and enjoy, and and that's kudos to the industry. And I'm glad to see that people like you know the governments here are actually encouraging it. Well, if you want local, there's nothing more local than craft spirit. So the word craft in spirits is actually legally protected. It's not like in craft beer, you can have Labatt trying to say that Stanley Park is a craft beer. There is no rule for that. But in craft spirits, there is. And one of the core foundational points of craft spirit in British Columbia uh, is that you have to use 100% locally grown produce. So if you want local to win, buy a craft spirit because you're not just buying it from you know, a couple of people that have put together some money and they've opened up a distillery in, uh, in East Van, but they're also buying all their grain from a local British Columbian farmer, mm -hmm. right? So they're getting their rye, I'm assuming up in the Peace River or something up there, maybe on the island, but that's all local grain. Big companies don't have to. In Scotland, for example, almost none of the grain used to make Scotch whiskey is actually grown in Scotland. There is no Scotch whiskey without Saskatchewan. Almost all of the barley used in Scotland actually comes from Canada. And so when you buy a local craft beer, it's there. And actually, we're in this great kind of golden era of craft whiskey. The issue that I always have with Canada, I always say we have the second worst inferiority complex in the world. Uh, we can't even have the best inferiority complex. And one of the things we need somebody from outside Canada to tell us how great it is. I always think of Bruce Allen saying, what's the big deal about the tragically hip? They can't draw flies in New York City. Well, they can get 40,000 people in Toronto. They can get 35,000 people in BC. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Well, with craft spirits, we've had a major breakthrough. So one of our craft distilleries on Vancouver Island, Shelter Point, was the first Canadian whiskey ever accepted to the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. 40 years of Canadian distilleries trying to get into the SMWS, always a no, finally accepted. And that's really, we've seen an unbelievable movement in our store when suddenly, oh, Scotland says our whiskey's good? Now we're seeing all these great craft whiskeys, BC-made craft whiskeys, really start to sell because it's okay. The Scots said it's good. You could drink your own own whiskey and having things like the Resurrection Rye on your table now is something to be proud of. It's not something you have to explain to your friends or anything. Everybody knows now that BC is making some of the best whiskey in the world. Our guest is Ty Lacroix, who is the distiller from Resurrection Spirits, 1672 Franklin in East Van. And you've got a bottle of gin in front of you and I'm really on a big gin thing right now. So I'm really curious, what, uh, what's your gin story? 
So yeah, the gin, like all of our products, is 100% BC grown rye grain. Uh, the botanical combination is pretty simple. We've definitely gone with a, uh, a, a very uh, classic dry gin here that I hope you'll both like. Um, juniper forward, obviously. A uh, little bit of citrus in there, and you get a little bit of rose if you got a nose for it. Yeah. You want a gin martini yeah. right now, yeah, don't Absolutely, you? I do. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is I learned that um, you know, the household I grew up in, the uh, the spirits being served were, were not your premium stuff, I, I right. assure you. Okay. And I remember trying gin straight and it was horrible and then i realized it's is it my palate no this is just not to be meant to be consumed individually it's meant to be thrown in with soda water in a cocktail and some ice cubes and it tastes all right i, I always now judge if can you drink it neat yeah dramming gins yeah yeah dramming gins are yeah. uh, where the market's moving uh the old days of pouring country time lemonade on top of uh <laughs> you know that kind of thing that's not really a thing anymore the gin has to stand up on its own and we've seen that globally it's not just locally we've seen a lot of people move to gin but they're moving to premium gin they're sure. moving to like the well-crafted gins they're not just going into like essentially what's a flavored vodka that's going to be a gnt now there's nothing wrong with those flavored vodka gnts they're great uh but a product like this resurrection gin bc rye all these great uh fantastic botanicals i mean you're drinking its own high-end cocktails like a martini uh, Martinez, I'd love to see this as a gin daisy. Uh, I think there's a lot of options for this. And when you're doing your home bar, gin's a great thing to have. Absolutely. And I've been down there a couple of times, and there's a whole lot of cocktail shaking going on. Check it out. Resurrection Spirits, located at 1672 Franklin Street in East Van. Ty Lacroix, the distiller. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thank you very much for having me. Listening to Just Here for the Beer Radio on Sportsnet 650 AM and 96.9 FM HD3, Canada's original dedicated beer radio broadcast for over a decade. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at JHFTB. It's Just Here for the Beer Radio and your host Joe Leary and Rick Mohabir. Just here for the beer radio broadcast and podcast is available on all streaming services. Also broadcasting on Sportsnet 650 AM, 96.9 FM, HD3. Brought to you in part by Emilio Fanati Pizzeria. Now that's Amore. It is the pizza winner of 2015 and 2018, the Las Vegas International Pizza Challenges. Our friend Aaron uh, is opening up location four in Port Moody, and he was down in Vegas there's a pizza convention. We, you know, we got to take what? the show a little further sometimes, right? Wouldn't that be cool? A pizza convention. We got some work to do this Speaking of cool, we're broadcasting from the I call it legendary uh, Jackalope's Neighborhood Dive, which is on uh, East Hastings. Uh, it's a it's the official heavy metal bar, and it's funny because uh, Courtney Richards is the co-owner. Welcome to the show, by the way. Thank and you. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I, I used to work at Q107, Toronto's Best Rock. In the, this sounds like our playlist. This is, this, really? is, this is really cool. And you were saying, and rightfully so, like you've got to theme your 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 bar, your restaurant somehow. And whether this is your lifestyle or not, mm-hmm. there's room for everybody. Not every place wants to have the same background theme, the same ambiance. Mm-hmm. You want to differentiate yourself, differentiate yourself, and you certainly have. 
Yeah, we have, and I mean, it's not that this is a themed bar by any means. Right. We are heavy metal, heavy metal people. Yeah. This is what we are into. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we sell it, I think. <laughs> and and do, does the is it a dedicated metal crowd that comes in here, or is it? I mean, obviously, it's not going to scare anybody away if you not if you like music. It's it's, yeah. just, it's another brand of music. Yeah. But does it does it get a dedicated um, like a lot of tattoos in here? I'm guessing. It certainly right? does. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I I think our clientele is twofold. Like, it, we've definitely got the heavy metal thing covered. Um, but honestly, our neighborhood has been very good to us as well. The Hastings Sunrise community has really kept us going, especially through like the tough times of COVID and everything. They really kept us floating. How long has Jack Lopes been around? Well, here's one for you. It's our birthday tomorrow. Oh, oh. We turn nine tomorrow. Nine. Oh, happy nine. birthday. Thank you. So you, you <laughs> opened your doors nine years ago as, as a dedicated heavy metal bar. Yeah, exactly. And was there skepticism at first from some of the locals? Did people think it would work? Or were there were they concerns? No, I don't think so. No, no. It's always just been like... The way that we brought this up was to always stay in line with this community. <clears throat> so we've always kept our prices geared towards the people that live here. Uh, and inclusive to the people that live here. So now we've sort of been, we've been taken in from the, from the get-go. Um, I was saying to uh, Rick on the way over here that, um, because we've been around, we've been around the block a few times, mm -hmm. and we've had a few drinks in a few different places <laughs> o over the years. And uh, I I'm Irish, so that probably plays into my love of Jameson whiskey yeah. and, and the traditional pickleback, which yeah. I was surprised to find the first time I ever tried it. And I was a bar on Main Street. Mm -hmm. uh, it was her name was Rachel. Is it was the Rumpus Room or the yes. whatever yeah, it's called? Yeah. And she had said it basically was like you know you serve pickles and you got all this pickle juice. There's got to be something you can do with it. Yeah. And I don't know who the first person was to go. Hey, I got an idea. Let's take a shot of Jameson and a shot of pickle juice and call it you know a pickleback. Totally. And then uh, when I was introduced to Jackalope, someone was telling me about a beef back. And I'm going, okay, what, what is that? <laughs> so, and, and this was created from this location. That's right. Okay, yeah. tell us about the beef yeah. back. So, it's a shot that we invented. You take a shot, you take an ounce of pretty, pretty crappy CC rye. It burns you real bad. And then you chase it with a hot shot of beef au jus. So, as it oh sort of my. scrapes your whole throat down, you then soothe it mm -hmm. with this beef au jus. And it's got to be au jus. It can't be lumpy gravy. That's right. It's got and it can't be like made from a package. It's got to be and you, you take be. it from your actual meat cuttings and stuff. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it, yeah. Theoretically, it's a weird thing to drink, but yeah. uh, you got to try one out. Yeah. So let's tell us what Jackalope's in. Other than the ambiance and the and the theme of it, um, what what are you known for food wise? So we, I guess you would call our food trashy comfort. Uh, okay. I think what makes us unique is that we make everything in-house. We bake our own bread, we do our pickles, our mayonnaise, everything. Um, our prices are quite fair for what you're getting, um, and I think that's what people really like about it, too. It's sort of like it's on like a Sunday night, you'll be full in here, full of people eating chicken dinners, right? It's sort of like a nod to mom's cooking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, comforty food. And um, any, any special nights, any special events, anything that that takes place at Jackalope's that you want to promote? Like, you're celebrating your ninth birthday this week. It's tomorrow, yeah. We'll be having a barbecue in the park once the weather sort of complies a, a bit a heavy, better. A heavy metal barbecue in the park? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, once the weather gets a little bit better. Um, we have started doing our own trivia nights. We do about one a month. Um, we've got DJs in here from time to time. We're doing it regularly. We're sort of slowing out on that a little bit. But we're really looking forward right now to doing more food-based events, um, sort of like a family dinner, like a spaghetti dinner, you know, a couple of glasses of wine and a couple of seatings a night and stuff. That's sort of where we'd like to take our food. 
Well, we spoke earlier with uh, It's Okay, mm-hmm. which is doing a collab right now with Tacofino. Yeah. Um, is there anything like that in your future, perhaps? Maybe getting a, a food supplier to do something that, that sort of, and maybe create a drink for it or something like that? Yeah, uh, we don't have anything like that, but if yeah. anyone hears this, ah. holler at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ideas, folks, ideas. We're yeah. down, yeah. yeah no, and, sp- and speaking of beer, what, what, do you, uh, what do you serve here? All local, all okay. craft. Yeah. Um, we've, yeah, we've got anywhere between 8 and 12 taps going at one time. Um, everything is quite local, even to our neighborhood. We carry Strathcona, Powell Street, um, Storm Brewery, obviously. Um, my favorite would be the Jalopy, the Pale mm-hmm. from, uh, yeah. from Powell Street. Classic. Just a classic, yeah. deadly, awesome yeah. beer. Um, yeah, but we have, we've always kept it very local. Well, I know that you're uh, you're opening for us this afternoon because mm-hmm. you don't open until generally till five o'clock. Yeah, so that's we right. really really appreciate that. Um, so if people want to have a, a unique heavy metal experience, mm-hmm. not not an abrasive one. I <laughs> I, I dig the genre because I work the genre, <laughs> but um, it's a really cool environment. And and I'm, when we're talking to Patricia Barnes from the uh, Hastings East Village BIA, I kind of said because I'd, I'd heard about Jack Lopes and I hadn't been here yet. I just kind of wanted to see it. Yeah. And uh, this doesn't disappoint. It's kind of cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you got to come in on the weekend. We will. Maybe have a beat back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Just here for the Beer Radio on Sportsnet 650 AM and 96.9 FM HD3, Canada's original dedicated beer radio broadcast for over a decade. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at JHFTB. It's just here for the Beer Radio and your host Joe Leary and Rick Mohabir. Just here for the Beer Radio, broadcasting on Sportsnet, 6.50 a.m., 96.9 FM, HD3, also available for streaming through all streaming devices and services. Sponsored in part by Angry Otter Liquor, BC's premier liquor destination with 28 locations. Find them online, angryotterliquor.crs. Joe Leary and Rick Mohabir, broadcasting from Jackalope's Neighborhood Dive on East Hastings. As we do a dedicated show on the East Village, Vancouver, Patricia Barnes is the executive director. Nice to see you again. Yay. Thank you so much for thank you so much for agreeing to do this with us. We did this last year at uh, Andina Brewing, which uh, of course, you know, is representative of East Van was known for beer. I mean, the East Van certainly put beer on the map, but it's grown so much more than that. And yeah, there's still a great beer scene here, but now you got, you know, distilleries um, and you've got some really funky places like Jackalopes, like It's Okay. How long have you been at the helm, and, and what have you seen change in, in this neighborhood in that time? So I've been here uh, since 2001, which is when our BIA first started. Um, the neighborhood has completely changed. As you know, many of the places that you're talking about now didn't exist back then. Um, and it's really grown, it's changed, but it's still got a very unique character. We've still got sort of that um, East Van character. We've still got the grit of having a light industrial area in the neighborhood. Um, we still are a place for local entrepreneurs, independents, um, you know, based on Vancouver prices, we're relatively affordable. We're a good place to come and start your business. We have a fantastic neighborhood, which is so diverse and so 
um, welcoming and loyal to our local businesses that it, it is a great place to locate. It's it's diverse culturally. It's diverse lifestyle-wise yep. as well. It's really kind of a unique neighborhood, and there's so much here. And again, I think all you need to do, because your BIA, and for those that don't know, the Business Improvement Association, these are, there are, I think, 30 of them in the Lower Mainland. Or yeah, there's some, 22 in Vancouver. 22 in Vancouver that focus on specific areas uh, and deal with those areas. Some are smaller than those. You've got one of the larger ones. We do. We cover a lot of areas. So we, we um, come go from Boundary um, as our east east boundary um, all the way to Clark so we actually um, go to the edge of Vancouver and we go to Clark and we, we uh, line up with Strathcona and then we go north into the light industrial area to Powell Street and wow. and when there are issues that sort of befall certain businesses like you know COVID was a good example of because so many businesses were affected um, and you're kind of there as like trying to help ease some of the the regulation to try and work through the problems with the uh, the base of, of clientele that you deal with. Yeah, so so we're really here as the helping hand. We're here as the voice for all our businesses. If you have an issue with city, you have an issue with permits, you have an issue, give us a call. We we will we will work with the city. We do all that. We know how crazy it can be trying to get into the city, trying to sort out who you should be speaking to. So that's part of what we're here to do. We're also here to promote, to bring people. Our job is to bring people to the street. It is the business's job to bring them into the store. But it really is our job to try and figure out how to bring people into the area. And it's our job to to look at this area and say, okay, what makes it welcoming? What can we do? So, you know, is it... Is it mundane things like street cleaning? We work with uh, Mission Possible, fantastic group. Work with um, um, people with developmental disabilities, etc. Providing jobs, um, so they're out on our street. They provide. They're, they're there. They've got their jackets on. They, they're great people working with us. We also work with our volunteers around um, through the community policing center around removing graffiti. Um, and so picking up needles, all those kind of things that make this area feel like a place you want to be, feel like it's a safe place to be. So those are the kind of things we do, as well as, you know, we do murals, we do banners, and then it's also about um, things like this, promoting the mm, neighborhood, yeah, letting everybody sure, out yeah. there know what's going on, sure. and then uh, and then trying to do promotions on the street to just bring people so they get the experience. And then, of course, we, we have Hastings Park and the Pacific National Exhibition. Who doesn't know the PE? Yeah. Who doesn't know everything they do there? <laughs> so it's it's about working and partnering with the people in this area that also draw so many people from the Lower Mainland and outside the Lower Mainland into the neighborhood. So I know that probably because of the amount of traffic in this immediate vicinity, like a car-free day probably isn't something that's being considered by the city, unlike some other neighborhoods where, where you can. But are there is there things that you can do that kind of represent something of that nature? So, I mean, we used to do a big street hockey tournament. We were quite well known for it in the parking lot behind London Drugs. Um, that ended with COVID. And as we've come back from COVID, our, our emphasis has been rather than drawing people. So that, that was great. It was a neighborhood event. We had all the kids out. It was lots of fun. And it was a thank you to our community for supporting us. But after COVID, we're kind of looking at it saying what we need to do is not draw people 
into a parking lot, what we need to do is draw people onto the sidewalk. Sure. So it's more now about looking at, you know, music. We have a plaza. The city did plazas during COVID. We have a plaza at Kamloops and Hastings. Um, that is about to undergo a great renovation this summer. It's going to have an ind- indigenous food garden. It's going to have new benches. It's going to have a stage. And that's a place for music, for gathering, where we'd like to work with some of our local businesses about maybe putting on workshops. So we're pretty excited about that space. Um, that is definitely our hub for our, our um trick-or-treat on Hastings Street where we get like a thousand kids walking up and down the street in uh, in costume getting candy from everywhere and just having a great time so it's that kind of thing that we're trying to to do and bring people give people a reason to come and walk down up and down our street and discover some of the incredible little places that we have here because I think sometimes people don't realize the gems that we have in this neighborhood bakeries and whatnot Mm -hmm. right yeah, I think that, that it's one of those areas where you kind of really need to, and, you know, fingers crossed, we'll get some decent weather. Actually, I see the sun is coming out a bit right now. That's kind of a rarity, but it's it kind of as the, you know, spring and summer progresses, just do a walk. Even if you, even if you start at Victoria Drive and, and, and walk up to Nanaimo or a little bit beyond, there's just so many cool spots like Jackalopes and like It's Okay. Things that you may fly by in a car and, and kind of miss, but on a street level, you go, this is actually kind of unique. Well, and, and it's those places like Jackalopes and Okay that's also giving us a nightlife, yeah. right? So, you know, we have these things that are open during the day, but we're also starting yeah. to get a nightlife in this in this neighborhood um, and a place that people can, can stay here and go out for dinner, go out for drinks, listen to music. Like, that's well, huge. Y- you know what, Patricia? I'm not against progress. I'm not against, you know, city and urban dwellings, you know, and, and renewal and, and, and beautification, all that sort of stuff. But this is an old neighborhood, and I'm, an, I'm, a, lo- I'm a born and raised Vancouverite, and it's kind of nice to see that, you know, you're not wary of the odd new building going in here or there. But a lot of these are original structures yes. that might date back to the 30s or the 40s or, or whatever. But you can put something new and inventive in an existing structure rather than tearing it down and putting up something brand new. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it can take some some work in some of these structures just because things have changed over the years. But, but if you put in the time and the effort, you do come up with these unique Sure. spaces that, that are so attractive to people and, and they create an atmosphere that you don't necessarily find in some of the newer uh, buildings. Well, I'm also curious to see because City Council has changed since yes. since our last time doing yes, the show yeah. and indications to me look encouraging. It, it looks like a new council that's pro-business and not afraid to you know, like even even things like you know revisiting uh, BC wines in in grocery stores and things like that. This is this is 2023 after all. It's it's you know it would have been prohibited 20 30 years ago, but it's worth looking at. And and it looks that the council is sort of cooperating in that respect. They are. They have been open to meeting with us and working with us. I think they're understanding. I mean, that there are competing obviously needs and, and we realize that I mean we, you can see walking up and down the street yeah. we have developments we have rental coming in we need more people sure. there's no doubt about that we sure. need more housing but we also I think they understand that you also need to preserve a space for I mean 98% of this province is run by small business employed and they are the people that employ yeah. the people yeah. that live in this area they these small businesses are what makes a neighborhood they make it walkable they make it um viable they make it vibrant you know we talk about green cities where you need your walkable small businesses to survive and to be here Mm -hmm. and to attract people in and so this this council i believe 
recognizes the importance of what they we seem have. To. They seem to, and, yeah. And I think that um, economic development transcends all levels of, of the city, right? And so when we look at the decisions we're making, we also have to consider um, what economic development brings to the city and what it means for everybody that lives here sure. and, and a anybody and everybody within the city. So that, that doesn't look at a, a certain citizen. It looks at everybody that's part of the, of the city of Vancouver. And, and I'm going to guess also that, you know, because we do, we do an annual show in White Rock and the, um, the White Rock BIA, even though White Rock is, you know, it's, it's a small area yeah. and it's kind of maxed out. But they're saying, we're still open for business. Like, don't be afraid to bring your concept here. And again, uh, you know, we know that square footage is, is rather ridiculously high in, in most areas of the city. But um, I, I just love the fact that you've got, like, you know, shoe stores and great markets and cool bars and, and restaurants and, and more coming to the neighborhood. So I guess the word is, hey, don't overlook what's, you know, right in your own backyard. Don't overlook East Village. Yeah, exactly. Come here. You want your earrings. You want your yeah. book. You want your wool. You want your leather. Coffee, yeah. You want your leather. We we've got it. Yeah. Really, we've got it all. Yeah. So you can come here. You can go to the the butcher shop. You can go pro fresh produce. We've got it all. Yeah. So you want to come and spend a day here? You can have a lot of fun in this neighborhood. You certainly can. And we thank you so much, Patricia. This is the second year that we've done this. We hope we can do more of these with the uh, East Village. Again, it's the East Village, Vancouver. It's basically from Commercial Drive to Boundary Road and uh, Clark. Clark Drive, sorry, Clark, Clark Drive. The to Boundary Road and all the oh, way down that way and, yeah. and some miles down here. It's um, it's it's a big neighborhood and you've done a great job. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. This is just here for the beer radio on Sportsnet 650 AM and 96.9. A Vancouver broadcast tradition since 2010. Check out the audio podcast at justhereforthebeer.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at JHFTV. Here again are your hosts, Joe Leary and Rick Moabeer. Just Here for the Beer Radio is brought to you in part by Vancouver Young Actors School, the elite training program for young professional actors in Canada. Their team of professionals offer the most advanced training for young actors. Visit them online, VancouverYoungActorsSchool.com, at VYActorsSchool on Instagram. Now with two locations, Vancouver in Olympic Village and Fremont Village in Port Coquitlam. Well, that is a, a wrap on our show as we uh, focus on the dedicated area of East Village, Vancouver. Um, broadcasting from Jackalopes, which uh, neighborhood dive, a uh, very cool spot. How many dives have you been to? Well, I mean, it's my first. It, it, well. You know what's funny though is that in the old days, and I don't even know how many years ago was the old days, but the word dive was like a, a slam against a place. Yeah. Now it's kind of a badge of honor. It's like, yeah, we're a dive, a dive bar. It doesn't mean it's bad. It, it's just yeah. kind of it's it's just earthy. A different. It's different. It's earthy. The music is a little harder. Eclectic. Eclectic, and uh, the menu is pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, we had a fun time. So thank you very much to uh, Courtney Richards, the co-owner of Jackalope's Neighborhood Dive. Also, uh, our thanks to um, Colin Canning, who is a partner. And It's Okay, a neighborhood bar that has snacks and sandwiches and is open late. 2481 East Hastings. So thanks for bringing down the tacos from yeah. Tacofino. As well, we uh, thank Graham Witt from the head brewer from Parallel 49 and all that entails. Also, Resurrection Spirits, newly opened in East Van, a really good, cool cocktail bar. 
and a place where you can buy some locally distilled spirits. And as always, our thanks to um, the folks at the Hastings East Village BIA. This is Patricia Barnes, who, of course, the executive director for making this show possible. Yes, sir. And a good neighborhood it is. The sun's come out. Look at that. Our thanks to uh, producer, producer Greg, Greg. Always, Always a great job. We'll give you a beer or two to go. And uh, we will see you next week. We'll see you, actually, at the John B. Pub in uh, Coquitlam for one of our shows out there. Always love the folks at love the John that B. Love place. That is a wrap. Thanks for listening to Just Here for the Beer. Just Here for the Beer Radio is heard exclusively on Sportsnet 650 and is podcast through JustHereForTheBeer.com. For more information, check out JustHereForTheBeer.com and on Instagram and Twitter at JHFCB.